Waiting is an everyday activity. We wait in checkout lines, we wait in traffic, we wait for food service, we wait for appointments to see a healthcare provider, we wait our turn at the DMV, we wait for a response to an application, and sometimes we wait for a ride home. Such daily periods of waiting happen to us as individuals and as groups, and yet we share these experiences of waiting in common with almost everyone. We also share an immediate experience of waiting related to the COVID-19 pandemic, its corresponding financial crisis, and the righting of wrongs perpetuated against our brothers and sisters of color. Specifically related to the virus, we wait for a reliable and effective treatment so that the threat to our lives and way of life might come under control. We share this experience of waiting with everyone. Everyone in our community, our county, our state, our nation, and our world. No one needs to remind us that we're all in this together. The longevity and severity of this kind of waiting has tested our patience and resilience unlike most other experiences in our lifetime. The prolonged order to shelter in place seemed to suppress the virus and many of us grew optimistic that life could begin to return to some degree of normal, but that didn't happen. Instead, within days and weeks of a gradual reopening, the number of coronavirus cases and the regional hotspots grew rapidly, as did the death toll. We've now come to realize our waiting is far from over. Hope of a vaccine remains far off in the future. So we continue to wait. Lest we become impatient and anxious with the stress of being confined, the threat of ill health, the fear of job loss or an ability to generate income, or coping with constraints on our freedoms, I would remind us that waiting is an essential component of faith. Even when we grow tired of waiting and want it to be over or come to an end, God often uses such times to deepen our sense of trust and grow in us the kind of spiritual maturity which might not otherwise come to fruition. Waiting is not easy. Sometimes it's hard, uncomfortable, and even agonizing. This is reflected in the language of the prayer recorded in Psalm 13. The author has presented his need to God, but his petition has gone unanswered. The psalmist's waiting has become desperate, and his request now takes the form of a complaint directed at God. How long must I wait? How long before you do something, God? How long must I carry this sorrow in my heart? How long, Lord? How long? We readily identify with the discomfort the psalmist feels while waiting. Yet even in his complaint is, a, is an expression and a thread of faith. Listen how he affirms his trust in God 
as Lori Hartman reads Psalm 13 and an exhortation from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Philippi to let go of anxiety and instead bring their needs to God in prayer. A reading from the New International Version, Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6, and Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And now reading from Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Word of the Lord. The more we wait, the more we become fixated on what we wait for. Suppose our wait is for a ride. We watch carefully as every car passes, eager to catch a glimpse of the one that is coming for us, hoping it will be the next one. Our minds allow little else but this one focus, this one goal. It's almost as if we no longer desire to be transported from one place to another as much as we long to be delivered from the weight itself. The most common genre or type of psalm in the book of Psalms is the Psalm of Lament. These prayer songs describe the drama of waiting on God to act and address the despair and discouragement suffered by individuals and communities of faith. People who can no longer endure the pain and pressure and absence of any improvement in their condition or situation. Psalm 13 is a classic example of the difficulty and the dilemma of waiting. The format or structure of a lament psalm has three components, a complaint, a petition, and a confession. Let's look at each of them. Complaining is a natural consequence of waiting. The complaint in Psalm 13 is sounded in three directions. First, toward God. Will you forget me forever? Secondly, directed about one's suffering. Must I wrestle with my thoughts every day and have sorrow in my heart? And thirdly, about the threat itself. Will my enemy triumph over me? The implication of this last statement is that if God allows the psalmist's enemy 
who mocks his faith to win, then God's the one who looks bad, not just the psalmist. To express such a complaint directed toward God is an indication of faith. The psalmist takes God seriously. He complains because he he believes God cares about his condition. And he complains because he believes God has the power to do something about it. Someone has described waiting as an awful desert between where we are and where we want to go. Such an image views waiting as a problem to be endured, so we try to avoid it at all costs. Ordinarily, we would engage in some form of distraction, but nowadays even our distractions have been sidelined. Others try to actively eliminate waiting. Like the schoolboy in Soren Kierkegaard's analogy, we choose to shortchange the waiting process. Faced with an important math exam, the schoolboy steals his teacher's answer sheet with a plan to memorize the answers for each question, score 100% on the exam, and get an A in the class. But answers acquired that way are no answers at all except in the technical sense. To truly gain the answers, we must first work through the problems. Shortcuts typically lead us away from growth, never toward it. If waiting is viewed only as an obstacle to be overcome or a problem to be resolved in order to get to our desired outcome, then we're bound to dislike it and learn nothing from its experience. But if we view waiting not as an obstacle to where we want to be, but rather as the means to get us there, then we might discover just how integral waiting is to faith. Consider the faith of Job. Rabbi Abraham Heschel observed, Faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it's the result of having been shaken. It's not what we go through, but how we go through it that bolsters our faith. Stories of Job and Abraham are illustrative of the important role humility and hope play in our experience of waiting. Pastor and author of the book titled Waiting, Ben Patterson makes this observation. As important as the things we wait for, is the work God wants to do in us as we wait. Waiting is not just the thing we have to do until we get what we want. It is part of the process of becoming what we hope for. God uses our waiting as a spiritual maturation process. Waiting allows for the formative development of our characters into the very likeness of Christ. Let's consider the petition in this psalm. The petition in a lament is concerned with one thing, deliverance from trouble. The petition expresses the goal of the complaint, and put simply, it's a plea for help. In this psalm, it's stated in two parts. First, as a request for God's attention. 
Look on me and answer, O Lord. And secondly, as a request for God's intervention, give light to my eyes. We all like to feel we're in control of our lives and that of our surroundings. One of the reasons we dislike and resist change is that we don't want something we haven't chosen to be imposed on us. We dislike the sense of being acted upon. Yet one of the necessary realizations of life is to accept the fact that not being in control is part of our human condition. This realization is also one of the critical steps to becoming a person of faith. It's the essence of petitioning God in prayer, being willing to admit our need and trust God for what we lack and cannot attain on our own, asking for help to be rescued, to be saved. Learning to wait on God is the essence of faith, trusting in God's character and believing in God's power to work for our good. Former author and pastoral theologian Henri Nouwen had this significant observation about waiting. Much of our waiting is filled with wishes. I wish I would have a job. I wish the pain would go away. We are full of wishes and our waiting easily gets entangled in them. For this reason, a lot of our waiting is not open-ended. Instead, our waiting is a way of controlling the future. We want the future to go in a very specific direction. And if this does not happen, we're disappointed and can even slip into despair. That is why we have such a hard time waiting. We want to do the things that will make the desired events take place. It's only when I was willing to let go of my wishes, said Nowen, did something really new, something beyond my own expectations, happened to me. Prolonged waiting can break us open to possibilities for spiritual growth. Learning to wait on God can open us to something beyond our limited thinking. Learning to wait is giving up control over our future and letting God shape our lives according to his love and not according to our fears. Now let's look at the confession in this psalm. At its conclusion, the psalm takes a turn. The complainer now verbalizes a confession of faith. But I will trust your unfailing love. I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. How do we explain this sudden expression of confidence? Is it a change of heart or some provocation from outside? No, this is the full expression of faith from tell it like it is in the form of a complaint to tell the truth of all that we know about God. The psalmist in essence says, yes, I've prayed and nothing has happened but I'm addressing the God who has rescued me in the past, 
the God who has pledged his loving kindness to me and has never failed, and the God who desires my ultimate good. Though I feel neglected and forgotten in the moment, I am nevertheless well-loved and provided for. God is with me and will be my deliverer and sustainer. This I know is true. Waiting can be dreadful, especially when it gives way to a feeling of fear or desperation. Then it challenges us to our core. Whether we wait to hear the results from a biopsy or wait for a healing of a severe emotional wound or wait for a job offer we desperately need to come through or wait for a beloved addict in denial to hit rock bottom or wait for racial equality and justice for all. We have so much to learn from those who wait for change, not quietly, not passively, but peacefully expecting something new from God and from those who choose to do his will. We must learn to place our waiting in the context of a larger story, the way, the way God waits to see uh, the full redemption of this world. Patterson reminds us that Abraham and Sarah received from God so much more than what they hoped for or expected. They would have settled for a baby, but what they got was an heir who would become a nation through whom God would bless the whole world and reveal God's gift of love in Jesus Christ. All the years they were waiting, wondering if God heard their complaints, received their petitions, or saw their lived confession of faith. All the while, God was at work doing something amazing for them and for the world, far beyond what they ever hoped for or even imagined. The same experience of waiting happened to the disciples after the death of Jesus. What felt like utter defeat and despair was transformed by the vindication of Christ's resurrection, which totally changed their understanding of the meaning and the necessity of the cross. What we see God doing is never as good as what we don't see. Through the dilemma and struggle of waiting, God is able to hear our complaints, our petitions, and our confessions, and to transform our confusion into clarity and our crisis into confidence. Do we want the waiting to be over, or do we want it to, or do we want to see it as the means by which God will work in and through us? Let us choose to wait. So be it.